0: You're listening to the Well Woman podcast. I'm your host, Gemily, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. Hello, beautiful human. Welcome back to the. I think this is your fourth, is This is your fourth appearance on the podcast. I, don't I think know, so. Been but- here <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time. But thank you so much for coming back and chatting real chats about menstruation and all the things to do with your body and your cycle. I'm so grateful. Thanks for
1: having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Tell us. I have lots of questions, but let's kick off with. Where are you right now in your menstrual cycle? Like what's the day for you today? I know we're recording this. I'm covered in like two long sleeve shirts and a puffer vest and you're wearing a singlet. It's winter for <laughs> me and it's summer for you. Where are you in your cycle? How are you enjoying out of summer? What's going on for you? Yeah, it's
1: hot here in Toronto, Canada. It's hot. And I am on day must be day five of my cycle. I Maybe mean, four or five, I think. It's starting to get lighter, thank God. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm on day four or five.
0: Yeah. And how are you checking in? How like how are you feeling menstruating just through summertime? It feels good. It sucks being
1: bloated. It sucks. I hate wearing tampons. I hate wearing pads, especially in the summertime. But unfortunately, those are the only... Um, sanitary options that I can use because I can't use IUD or I can't use a menstrual cup anymore, mm-hmm. sadly, because that was my favorite. Um, but yeah, it's good. You know, it sucks when you feel heavier when it's hotter in the hotter months and feeling like bloated and just kind of lower energy. For mm. me, For me during my cycle, like the actual bleeding days, I don't get a lot of symptoms for me the week leading up to it is worse like the mm. premenstrual phase of my cycle is worse for me than the actual bleed
0: mm. has it always been like that for you
1: yes yeah
0: oh okay
1: i get like in- insanely intense cravings i get bloated and i get i used to get raging pms but i don't as much anymore because i've been taking estrogen supplements or like supplements to help detox the ex- estrogen. And that's mm. been really helping. I used to get like really sore boobs, like right after ovulation, huge and swollen and sore to the point where I couldn't lay down on them. But yep. after it very tender. Yeah. After taking these supplements, I haven't had that those symptoms in a long time.
0: Oh, that's great. I think a lot of people don't realize that you know, if something's really painful or or uncomfortable, like your body's not supposed to be like that. And so there's some things you can do to support. And I love that you shared that. So you mentioned that you've kind of, this has been your experience of pre, you know, leading up to your menstruation, that pre-menstrual in autumn time. Let's go right back. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. How old were you when you got your first period and how did that come about for you? Oh my God, I'll never forget it. I must've been, 11 or
1: 12. And I was at his friend's sleepover. And I was wearing this Mickey Mouse onesie pajamas, like white onesie pajamas that I had. And all of a sudden, I, you know, go to the bathroom in the morning when I woke up, and it was all brown, you know, (laughs) and that's, I knew that that's what was, you know, my period was here. Oh, my God, it's happening. Mm. And yeah, I remember my mom like trying to teach me how to use tampons, but she never really used tampons. So she didn't really know how it worked. And it was just kind of like fend for yourself, figure it out. (laughs) Mm. No, I feel like in Canada, especially we weren't properly taught about this stuff. So we kind of had to just figure it out on our own or talk to our girlfriends about it.
0: Some of us. (laughs) Wow. And so you were staying at a friend's house when that happened. So what was your, like, what was your reaction in the toilet? And then what were the next few steps after that?
1: I remember being really excited and kind of scared, but like, I'm a woman now, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think I just maybe asked my friend for a pad or something like that. I didn't really, I don't really remember much else other than that. I just remember looking down, the white pajamas and looking down and seeing the brown and realizing, okay.
0: Here it mm, is. Mm, yeah. I know. I can resonate with that. There was a, I don't think I, I haven't, I don't think I've shared this yet in this series, but there was a time um, I used to do a lot of sport and we went away. I was a stillwater rower and we went away um, on like a nationals kind of interschool competition thing. And we had to drive like 12 hours in a bus and it was an overnight bus. And I woke up in the morning and I, it wasn't my first period. Oh my God, those birds are so loud um it wasn't my first period I was already menstruating by this time but I had woken up and I didn't realize my period was arriving and I had obviously bled through my pajama pants and they were baby blue with white ghosts all over them like long-legged pajama pants <laughs> and I remember, remember walking out the bus I was towards the back of the group it was a big bus And one of the teachers came over and like grabbed my arm and she's like, I think you've got your period. And I was just like, and she took off her jacket and put her jacket around me and tied it around me. And I don't remember who she was or her face, but I just remember that's what she did. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And I was always for the rest of that weekend, because you're in tights, like, like rowing is kind of like being in a, in a triathlon suit. Like it's really, really tight. And it was a navy colour, so it wasn't light in colour. But I just remember I was constantly checking. Like at that stage I was wearing tampons, and I was like, God, do I have it in properly? Do I need to put toilet paper in my pants as well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I remember, yeah, I can resonate looking down, not being excited, but more so being like, holy fuck, did, I, did everybody on the bus see this? What about all the boys? Did they see this too? <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for sharing because I think those very first glimpses it's like the first appearance it's like your first interaction with like going to the movies or your first interaction with like going on a date or the first interaction of like living out of home like those firsts always have a like a very deep memory for a lot of people and they can like represent a lot so thank you for sharing but what was your menstrual experience like for the first few years? The first few
1: years? I don't really recall there wasn't anything that really stood out for me other than just kind of getting used to it and like trying to figure out how to wear tampons and you know the timing of it all and not leaking through a pad and my pants and stuff like that i never really had huge problems or symptoms with my period like i never really got crazy cramps or anything like that i was really lucky But I do Mm. remember always getting very bad PMS, very, Mm. very bad, like almost to the point where I thought it might be PMDD, Mm. like rage, like I would have to sometimes isolate myself during those a few days. Like I had many conflicts and many relationships because of it and (laughs) It got me into trouble a lot. It, it, it I always say like the truth comes out when my PMS comes up because I just don't hold back. I'm just like, rah. <laughs> mm. but I also was diagnosed with ADHD recently. And when I think back to like some of the symptoms, you know, with some of these PMS episodes that I've been in, and I think ADHD might have a big, have a big relation to that especially with the moods and the impatience and the the low tolerance. <laughs> mm, very low tolerance, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's been kind of interesting to learn about recently because I just got diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I've had it for a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. And I think um, a lot of people don't realize that that pre-menstrual time, whilst there are natural transitions, your progesterone peaks and then has a natural drop, you know, some people have very, um, what's the word? I've, I'm so branded, um, exacerbated. You know, like it's just amplified the amount of tension they have at that time. And I think because you know, marketing and movies are like, oh, well, you're going to be a bitch leading up to your period. Like that's just normal, but it's also not normal <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um. So when did you realize that you're, or did you have a realization at all? Um. Or was there a time where you recognized that? Okay, what I'm experiencing is different to what other people are experiencing. And then what did you do around that?
1: Well, it's funny too, because I was always shamed by my parents. They always they still say things to me like, Oh, are you PMSing? Oh, you must be PMSing. And I'm like, Can you just not say that to me? Because I yes I am, and the rage is gonna come like (laughs) now. And then, but sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm just annoyed. But um, When did I start noticing it? I guess it's been over the past few years that I've really started to get back in touch with my body and nutrition and learning how to live up more cyclically than I ever have. And I got diagnosed with fibrocystic breast disease a couple of years ago. And I started, you know, having to cut out a lot of caffeine and alcohol and realizing how that impacts my hormones and realizing that I have a little bit of estrogen dominance, which makes sense with the whole intense PMS. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that I started taking these supplements that helps the um, estrogen detoxification. And when I started doing that, it really started to help. Like my breasts don't hurt like they did previously. I don't have such extreme PMS symptoms. it's a much more comfortable period. Sometimes I get cramps, sometimes, but it's really nothing, it's not debilitating. Like some people Mm. have it, but emotionally it was always really bad for me, but now it's not as bad.
0: I love that you shared that. Thank you for being so vulnerable and also sharing your own personal health experiences too, because you're like, if you haven't listened to any of our previous podcast episodes, like you need to go to the show notes and they're all in there. But um, Adrian is a certified holistic nutritionist. And I love that. I love this particular aspect because so many people think, oh, well, if you're a nutritionist or a naturopath or, you know, you're an Ayurvedic practitioner, everything must be perfect in your body and your health. But I think it's really humbling for people to recognize that, like, we're all students of our bodies, you know, and every spot, everybody's body is very different, which you know. And we're just trying to work out how does this thing work and how do we get it to its most optimum? And for you having the background in, you know, being a holistic nutritionist, having the knowledge about how to create change and how important little simple changes with great either herbs or supplements or food can be, do you think any of your changes in your education around becoming a holistic nutritionist, being a nutritionist has helped support your balance in your cycle? Definitely. Yes. Especially because
1: like in my work, I specialize in vaginal infections. And Mm -hmm. while the hormone part is a very much a part of all of that, I feel like the hormonal stuff and menstrual stuff is like a whole nother world that needs to be like full on studied. And while I, my priority was to learn about the vaginal infections and the holistic nutrition and how but now I'm starting to learn more about the hormone stuff, especially because um, I used to get recurring vaginal infections always right before my period. And mm. when I started learning about how important it is to nourish your body during the different phases of your cycle, especially during that phase right before your period, the luteal phase, I was able to manage those infections. And so that they didn't come up before my period. And I know a lot of my clients struggle with recurring yeast, recurring BV and genital herpes outbreaks, particularly before their period. So I, with the knowledge that I know now, I can help them to say like, here's how you can support yourself during that phase of your cycle and nourish your body and learn how to slow down and do all these things so that you can support your nervous system, your immune system and all of the things that go into these vaginal infections so that you can manage and prevent them going forward. And that has really helped me.
0: As well. I I love that because it is all about management and nothing is permanent. A lot of people are like, I did the thing and I've healed it. Now it's never gonna come back or I'm never gonna <laughs> experience that thing again. Like, yeah, oh, well, let's see. We'll come back to me in six months. Yeah. Um And I think just understanding the management is really important. So I love that you shared that. And if you do, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, what's BV and let's talk, I want to know more about vaginal infections. We have podcast episodes on that, on the show. So make sure you go check out the show notes to link because they're really fun episodes. And I love that you openly educate and talk about this because as you said, it's such a specific area of yoni health or vaginal health that specifically needs a focus. And that's where like fertility can be studied and be very specific. And then menstrual health can be studied and be very specific as can hormones. And it's impossible to know everything. And that's why I think it's great that you really have honed in on this. I'd love to ask you though, what are your favorite rituals around your menstrual cycle? Or do you have any things that you're like, Oh, I can't wait for this time of my cycle. Cause I love to do this.
1: Um. I love allowing myself to indulge in my cravings when I get them. (laughs) Mm. So like premenstrual phase, I usually get some like carby, salty, sandwichy, pizza, pasta type of cravings, burgers, you know, stuff like that. And I never, ever eat that stuff ever. But if I crave it, I allow myself to indulge in it and just You know, kind of have my little treat and then I'm done. But I also love to really like take baths during my period and leading up to it. And I like to rest, sleep a lot, and I love to buy dark chocolate and eat dark chocolate (laughs) and drink tea. And in the wintertime, I love to put like a heating pad on my on my womb, on my abdomen you know, when I get my period, it's just so comforting and, Mm. you know, really practice a lot of self-care and really slow down during that time and really just allow myself to slow down. Cause like we come from a hustle culture and we weren't taught how to live like this. And it was like, it was like, I grew up in like a corporate patriarchal environment that was so male dominated. And it was just like, you were shamed if you said anything about your period or like felt, you know, not great because you have your period. And it's just so wonderful to be able to embrace that and learn about it and like really listen to your body and take care of your body while you're doing this big detox. Because your menstrual, your period is like your body is detoxing. And just allowing your body to do that while supporting it as best as you can with nourishment and
0: rest and self-care. Hear ye, sister. Hear yeah. ye. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think a lot of people you know, who might be listening to this like, oh yeah, it's, it's easy for you to say that, just do some self-care. Mm-hmm. But you have to have intention for that, don't you? Because I know you've you're a very productive woman. I know you just mentioned about you coming from the hustle culture and we're fighting against the hustle culture or where, you know, the hustle culture is in the mirror, you know, looking back on us, like you should do more and work more and take on more clients and do this more thing. You run your own business. You love to travel. You are adventurous. You love social, being social and hanging out with people. I do I do, do know all of this about you. And it's you need to have intention to set self-care. So how does that work for you? Um, particularly knowing that you leading into your menstruation that you do get a little bit more triggered or a little bit more agitated, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how do you make that? Uh, how do you make that a plan, or how do you actually set set time aside for yourself? Does that look like you be like, oh, I'm just going to close the door for today, and I'm not answering anyone's calls, and I'm just going to cancel everything, or like, how do you actually set time for that? Mm-hmm. Well, I've got
1: my period tracker app. So I know where I'm at in my cycle and when, and I know that when my, when my PMS comes, my, my PMS time comes, I'm like, okay, what am I doing that weekend? <laughs> or like avoid seeing my mother during that time, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who triggers? Maybe mom. Just not that uh-huh. weekend. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there would, be, there have been points where I've thought, should I like block off my calendar to not talk to clients during those days too because I don't want them to sense any kind of impatience or anything like that from me um but it's been fine I've been able to manage it and hold it together (laughs) (laughs) um and in fact it's so good because it takes my mind off of it when I'm helping people it makes me feel really happy but um Yeah, I kind of just have to be a bit mindful of my social activities during that time, especially around things that are triggering, like spending time with family, because I very easily can lose my patience very quickly. And I don't, that's not nice. That's not nice to be around. So I just, yeah, I try to avoid doing things that are triggering. But then you Mm. feel guilt. I sometimes I'll feel guilty, like, you know, we were just talking about slowing down and allowing yourself to slow down. Like it took me a long time to be able to be okay with that because I used to feel so guilty about, oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And I shouldn't be indulging in this rest and self-care and relaxation, you know, but that's just old programming. My dad's voice in my mind saying, oh, you got to be always doing something, but no, actually, no, no. You know, as women, as people who menstruate, no, we don't always need to be doing stuff. It's okay to rest and mm. take it easy. And if you need to take days off because you know, or some, you need to set some boundaries with some people or with yourself, so that you're not, you know, snapping at people that unnecessarily. Sometimes you need that. You know,
0: <laughs> I think also it helps enrich the relationship. I'm, I'm sure you've noticed. With your family, that when you take time away from them, and at times where, plus, you know, not to mention just a little sidebar, that you most often can snap easily at the people you love the most because Mm -hmm. you're like, they already know who you are. So you're like, fool, I can just, I can be my snappy self today if I need to. So it also, there's this extra layer of permission a little bit there too. But I think it can enrich the relationship when you take time out of that at that time for yourself. It's like, hang on, I'm going to water my my garden over here so that I can come back next weekend or in two weekends time and better water this garden. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to have the intelligence to do that. And also you've just given everyone listening the permission, like it's okay to say no. Mm-hmm and i really believe that the people who love you the most when you say no they honor you for honoring yourself and if they don't find new family i'm kidding don't find new family yeah. but <laughs> honor your honor yourself that you're honoring you you know mm-hmm. like it's it takes hard to say no it's hard to say no especially to partners like it's
1: i used to have to warn partners and say hey listen like i Struggle when it comes to my period time, and I'm gonna try to manage it as best as I can, so I don't project any of these things on you. But just know that there are is a window that I may not be quite myself, you know. And then they're always kind of freaked out, but they appreciate, you know, so that they know, okay, if I have to hide in my little safe space, they're not gonna take it personally, or you know. Mm. and it's great, <laughs> I'm it's, great.
0: <laughs> it's great when you can take ownership of that too it's like hey I'm checking in like this today and that doesn't even this isn't even just about PMS this is about any type of emotion you have as a human being walking this planet you know having this physical bag of bones experience is that if you can be like hey I'm feeling like this today and you can take ownership of how you're actually feeling the other person should really be able to honor that hey, I'm going to honor you because you have enough awareness to know where you're at and know how you're checking in. And I think getting to know your cycle helps with that too. But, yeah, I can, I definitely know what you mean when it comes to like dating and, you know, having partners that I I think it's important to have space apart from each other too. And I think that one of the best times women can have space apart is when they're either premenstrual or when they're menstruating. There's two reasons. I'm going on a rant. Do you mind if I share? Of course. (laughs) Two reasons. The first reason is because if you menstruate and you're menstruating at home and you can communicate that and you give the opportunity to your male partner, this is for heterosexuals, is that sometimes the man's like, great, I'm going to go have my boys weekend. You know, and you're like, good, go, go camping, go fishing, go hunting, whatever it is that you want to do, do your man thing, come back and then hold the fort for me. Or men often like to have permission to have downtime too. And I've found with some clients that I've worked with that if I like, I'll use myself as an example is sometimes when I'm menstruating, I'll say to Brenton, my partner, I was like, Hey babe, just letting you know, my period's going to arrive in two days. Like, can we change the plans for this weekend? Like we also live together, but can we change these plans this weekend? I don't want to do that massive hike. Can we do that the following weekend? He's like, Oh great. Maybe we do you want to just like lay on the beach and read our books or do you want to like go to the movies? And so he's having, he's receiving permission that he can slow down he doesn't have to make plans and do shit every weekend either. And so you got the two, the two opposites. Sometimes men really enjoy the permission to check in and maybe they want to do that with you every few bleeds. Whereas the opposite, they're like, great. I'm going out with the guys. You don't want me. You don't need me right now. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think having both is, is really good, but it takes the female to have the body awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have the body awareness.
1: Yeah. Um, and the confidence what's... too, to talk about those things, because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes mm. it's, you know, hard to have those conversations and saying, Hey, like I'm, I'm not feeling good. Hey, my vagina doesn't feel good. Hey, I, don't, I can't have sex because I'm cramping or I'm, In a bad mood, and you don't want to disappoint your partner sometimes, you know, but sometimes it's better to put yourself first.
0: Mm -hmm. It's always better
1: to put yourself first, but you know, it's hard to have those conversations sometimes, though.
0: I think you're the best person to talk to about having hard conversations because, (laughs) you know, I'm not someone who lives with herpes. So I've, you know, I've definitely had thrush and I've had a vaginal infection before but I nothing that's you know stuck around or impacted my my communication me having to tell somebody that this is what I've got this is what makes you I think one of the best people just to speak to and ask this question to Mm -hmm. about having challenging conversations because people can be like oh I can tell someone I'm menstruating but I could never tell them that I have herpes Mm -hmm. So how do you, when it comes to having challenging conversations, regardless of what the thing is, when it comes to women's health and let's call it women's business, how do you approach having a challenging conversation? Like what are you you walking through in your mind as you're planning to have this conversation? How do you broach it? How do you open it?
1: Yeah, it's tough because especially depending on your audience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially with first heterosexual people when we're talking to some men some men are really just clueless when it comes to this stuff and or they're just they they want to avoid it but i think it's really good to just the number one thing is you have to feel confident within yourself and really have that self-awareness that we were just talking about and that comes you know that builds that self-confidence that self-awareness and when you have a conversation with these tough conversations with your partner in a really just calm and direct and heart-centered way and just keeping it very simple I think that is usually the easiest way to approach these conversations especially with men and just really just facts three points you know and then just kind (laughs) of Leave it. (laughs) Then pause, just pause. You know, you don't have to, I feel like a lot of people, especially when they're feeling really ashamed about their vaginal health or their periods, or if they have an infection or whatever, a lot, there's a lot of shame behind that. And there's a lot of emotion behind that, which of course is understandable. Like I've lived with all of these things and dealing with this stuff for half my life. I get it, but you know, it really just is Being confident within yourself, knowing you, knowing your body, giving these direct points in a very logical way, not too much emotion, not too much info dumping, and then just pausing and letting them Mm. react and then giving them space to ask questions. And if they have any questions, you can then go deeper. But if they don't, which most of the time they don't, (laughs) then just that's it. The last time I had a a herpes disclosure conversation, I was like, so I have herpes. (laughs) Had it for a long time. (laughs) And and he was like, okay, is that it? And I was like, yep. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) He's like, thanks for telling me. You know, that's kind of, it can be that simple. Really just keeping it simple with your Mm -hmm. partner trying to, to give facts like, hey, babe, listen, I've got this going on. I've got that going on. I think we should wait or I think we should Here's how the situation and then just leave it and give them space to respond.
0: Yeah, men do like less is more a yeah. lot of the time when it comes to communication and conversations. And they like pause because they're... <laughs> part of me just wants to be like, they're very small brains, but they don't have small brains. Mm. They're very small brains can only have one point of attention. And that's a very big part of the masculine. So um, yeah, little bits of information and people either really lean in or they really lean out. And I I think that really sorts the serious from the curious too, Mm -hmm. especially when you're dating, you're like, hang on, is this a man who can hold space for me? Or is this a man who's going to like, you know, weasel away with his tail between his legs and never come back? Um, and so like, you know, it sorts it out. Like it just does it for you. You don't have to do anything else. It's like, great. sorted that one. Thanks mate. Off we go. Um, this has been really, really insightful and powerful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing. I'd love to ask like a final question with you. Um, before we do though, how can people find you? You're known as the Yoni nutritionist. how How can people find you? What's your handle on Instagram? Um, where do you hang out the most? I'm
1: on Instagram the most. That's my main community. And it's at Yoni nutritionist,
0: Yoni nutritionist.
1: And I do, you know, I have over 700 posts of super valuable information about vaginal health and how you can manage your vaginal health with your diet and what to do if you're getting these recurring infections. And I share all kinds of stories and I'm always doing Q and A's and fun, interactive things. And I talk all about my own personal dating life, which is always entertaining to say the least. And um, I'm also on TikTok. That's just for fun though. And also the same at Yoni Nutritionist. I have a website where I have a lot of blog posts with lots of valuable
0: information. So all of those things, but Instagram is my main hub. And they are very educational posts. And I love your reels. I love your reels. Um, so <laughs> make sure I'll pop a link in the show notes like always, but make sure you go and check all of this out. So final question as we wrap up, I'd love to hear normally on the show, we ask the question, you've already answered this question before, but you know, what are three things you wish you had to when you, you know, began menstruating, but I'd love to ask you, what are your top three products in your life right now that support you with either your menstrual bleed or your menstrual cycle? Three products.
1: like if um, you went away on a
0: holiday what are the three things you couldn't not take with you if you're going for two months and if there's more that's okay too <laughs> it's hard to knuckle it down I would
1: need like um some vaginal friendly wipes I love mm. yeah because you know when you wake up in the morning like I don't I wear pads at night and tampons I hate I hate them but I can't wear menstrual cups anymore because I have an IUD and my menstrual cup pulled out my IUD once without me knowing and I got pregnant accidentally. Did I ever tell you this story? I think I might have. No.
0: Yeah. Wow. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. That Accident- was your hang on your mm-hmm. menstrual cup accidentally pulled out your IUD without you knowing.
1: Yes, it's called IUD expulsion and when you know when you menstruate your cervix opens.
0: Yeah, and, it's softer and open more open yeah more.
1: and your iud is up in your uterus and i didn't feel it coming out the suction I, the suction and it's a can i do we have time for me to share this Sorry for because of course
0: yes it's this so is important.
1: it's so crazy because my gynecologist didn't tell me about this and i wish that they had <laughs> um and i feel like everybody needs to know this because I got pregnant accidentally and it was the worst, like it was so horrible. And I obviously didn't know that my IUD came out with the menstrual cup until I got pregnant. And I had to have an abortion, unfortunately, but it just wasn't possible for me to have a baby with this man that I knew for two months. Anyways, um, the reason why I know that my menstrual cup pulled it out is because once I healed from that procedure, I had to go for an ex- Ultrasound x ray to like figure out where the hell did the IUD go? It wasn't there. This is and what my
0: question is like,
1: where's the IUD? Yeah, that's okay. So I was like, okay, it must have come out somehow, some way. I don't know when because I didn't feel it. Maybe it fell out because I was in Bali at the time. Maybe I was surfing and I had a hard wipeout and something happened. I don't know. The reason why I knew it was what a wipeout. I know. <laughs> The reason why I knew it was my menstrual cup was because after I healed from the procedure, I got another IUD put in, and the next period I got, I was using a menstrual cup, and it pulled it out again. And this time, I saw it. Luckily, because at that time I had another. This was like months, months later. Months past. Yep. At that time, I had another partner, and thank God I noticed it because it would have happened to me again. So I can't. I can't use menstrual cups anymore because I have, because I choose to use, I I like to use an IUD as my form of birth control. I have a copper one and I know it's not the best, but I, I after that whole procedure and how awful I felt afterwards, I was like, I don't ever want to go through that again. And I would be very stressed to have sex, not using birth control. So the copper is the best one for me, but I was like, okay, it's either the copper IUD or the menstrual cup. The IUDs IUD stay and the cups going.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So the question on everybody's mind is where did the first menstrual cup go? I mean, the first IUD go. In the toilet somewhere in Bali. Wow. Okay. So the IUD, because I've heard, we're going on a little rant. So stick with us if you're still listening, is that I have heard not, this is not a personal experience because I've personally never used a, an IUD myself, but I've seen in, um, in either clients or, um, in study research, like in my research for my fertility course that I run that the IUD has been removed, but then it's actually been lodged in another part of the body. And it's outside of the uterus, mm-hmm. which I'm just like, how does it even get there? And it's been causing this woman hip pain for two years and she doesn't realize that she, her IUD is actually moved and she thinks she's on this particular form of birth control. And instead of the, because it, it was this particular case was the hormonal IUD. So it was still leaching hormones, but she didn't even realize. And it's just like, wow. And I think what a lot of people don't realize that with menstrual cups is that it, The use of the menstrual cup is really important. How you insert the menstrual cup and how you remove the menstrual cup. And most people don't know that you can break the seal of the menstrual cup. Now, even though you break the seal, there's still a little bit of suction there. So in your case, breaking a seal is not going to help you, you know, not potentially pull the IUD, not to mention most women. And I would say every single student that's taken my natural contraception fertility educator awareness training. And any client that I've ever worked with has never known about the full function of the cervix, the face of the cervix, the, the, the channel or the canal of the cervix, what's in there, what it does. It's so beyond fascinating that it does open up a little bit and it's also softer. It's also a lot more plump, kind of like the softness of a rose and yeah, those things can happen.
1: And it's apparently common because afterwards I was like on the internet Googling, looking up the stuff, and it it's common enough and <sighs> yeah, it was horrible. So that mm. that was really unfortunate. But back to your question, I
0: like to bring Thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. So we got vaginal, we got vaginal wipes. <laughs> vaginal wipes,
1: yes, to keep. Everything nice and fresh down there, because sometimes when you're wearing pads or tampons or whatever, you just don't feel that fresh tea tree oil also is my go-to. I, I like to put mm. some tea tree oil on a cotton pad. And just if I'm feeling like ugh, suffocated down there, I'll just give her a little refresher. <laughs> it's nice and tingly and cool. Um, and lavender oil, too, is really helpful for relaxation. Magnesium is also really good. Dark chocolate. I think that's it. Something like
0: cozy to wear, something
1: comfy, cozy to wear.
0: Mm. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. Love, love our little side tangent there. Um, I hear you on termination um, surgical experiences, having had one myself too. And for those who are listening who would really like to learn more about that and how to heal from that, I actually did a podcast episode, two-part podcast episode on my experience and how what I did in that process to heal and move through that. Um, very similar experience to you and why I made that decision. And I think it's in it's really important that not I know not everywhere around the world has the opportunity for that. But if you do have an opportunity and that is your, is your decision, you know, women can have body autonomy too. And I think that how you support yourself is really important and who's helps support you too is also important. So um, I don't know what number episode that is, but you can just look up abortion on my website or termination and it will come up. But Adrian, thank you so much for sharing. I love you. You're just a beautiful bundle of, of joy. And I'm so grateful for your Um, expression of your experiences and your little side tangents and your raw honesty. So thanks for sharing with us. Oh, my pleasure.